0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Ken Souter, and you are listening to Biblically Speaking here every other Wednesday morning on WFYL, 1180 AM. Good morning. And this beautiful spring morning that we are enjoying today. You're in the Philadelphia area. Hope that you're well. Hey, we got a, a very interesting program again this morning. I'm so happy that you're joining us um, we're going to, uh, with Biblically Speaking, what we're trying to do is address the issues of the day through a biblical worldview. So we look at the scriptures, what the Bible says, and we uh, try to come up to an understanding of how to address and how to understand, really, the um, things that are happening around us. And today, uh, we're going to be asking a question, is it ever right for a Christian or someone to disobey the government. Is it ever right or wrong for someone to disobey the government? To say no to a law or an edict. is, If so, why and when? This is a very relative topic right now as the state governments across our country are ordering us in ways we've never experienced before, at least uh, not in my lifetime lockdowns, stay in your home, store closures, we'll tell you when you can open, driving restrictions. Um, I don't know. That has been something I've never faced. We've had pandemics before, but we've never had the government be so involved in micromanaging our lives like this. So are we as Christians to obey everything and anything the civil authorities command? What does the Bible, if anything, say anything about this? Is civil disobedience ever permitted or even required? So what I'm going to do today, at least attempt to do, is bring to you from God's word. And I'm going to have a guest in about 10 minutes here. So you'll want to stay tuned. And uh, we're going to we're going to talk about this in greater detail. But for now, I want to kind of look at the word of God and, and ask, you know, what are we what are we to think about this? Uh, What am I going to bring to you today? What I am going to bring to you today is something that has been accepted teaching for a long time. In other words, I'm not bringing anything new. I'm not bringing any new understanding, any new teaching um, that we have not had in the Christian church over the last two, three, four hundred years or even further behind in regards to this issue of our relationship to the state. However, you wouldn't know that, you know, from most modern evangelical preachers if they even talk about it whatsoever. Um, The rights, the duties and obligations of citizens has to be correctly taught in our churches today. We're citizens. We need to know how are we to react to these things. Most pastors, as I said, take the approach that the government is to be obeyed pretty much no matter what. Now, they may or may not say that, but by silence or whatever, they really don't, tell you to go out there and resist tyranny, Uh, at least not many that I have found. This is uh, an incorrect teaching, in my opinion, and biblically speaking, I believe it's an incorrect teaching, which has turned Christians into doormats and passive subjects that our founding fathers would be horrified with. In this is this teaching unconditional obedience to government? Let's see what some of our very prominent uh, Christian forefathers in the faith have said about government and our responsibility to it, especially when they become tyrannical. And what I mean by that is when they exceed the God-given authority they have been given, and they have been given God-given they have been given authority to rule over us. Um, but let's just see here what, what a couple of uh, prominent pillars of the faith have said. Now, I'm going to be quoting here uh, a song from Francis Schaeffer. He lived back in the 80s, uh, was very prominent and a very uh, respected uh, theologian of our time. John Calvin, John Knox, both Scot- Scottish, well, John Knox was a Scottish reformer. Uh, John Calvin was a, a second-generation reformer. Um, and so we're going to see what what some of those have said. Here's, here's, here's Francis Schaeffer. He says this. He says, It is time we consciously realize that when any office commands what is contrary to God's law, it aggregates its authority. And our loyalty to the God who gave this law then requires that we make the appropriate response in the situation to such a tyrannical usurping of power. Catch that, an appropriate response in that situation to such a tyrannical usurping of power. And that is a quote from a Christian manifesto, 1981, also from a Christian manifesto. He says this, if there's no final place for civil disobedience then the government has been made autonomous and as such it has been put in the place of the living god if there is no final place for civil disobedience then the government has made autonomous and has been made autonomous and as such it has been put in the place of the living god because then you are to obey it even when it tells you in his, in his own way, that time to worship is it a, at that time to worship Caesar. And that point is exactly where the early Christians performed their acts of civil disobedience, even when it cost them their lives. You see, the early Christians had to face something. They were told that Caesar is king and there shall be no other. So when they came along and they said no, uh, Christ is king. Um, that's really at the point where many of them were uh, persecuted and killed because they dared to say that there is another king, one Jesus. They were not ready to blindly believe and follow everything that Caesar said, especially when it contradicted God's word and the teachings of Christ. In other words, what Schaefer is saying is that only when a civil ruler commands what is in agreement with God's law, it is to be obeyed. Otherwise, they are usurping God's given power. And in Romans 13, it tells us, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. You see, a civil ruler derives his power not from himself or from the people, really, but from God. And when he commands things contrary to God's law, he abrogates his authority. And we should make the appropriate response, as Schaeffer says, to such tyrannical usurping of power that goes for any authority, really, whether it be parents and children, employer, employee, husband and wife. It's not unconditional obedience no matter what. It's only as far as they are serving God in their authority and doing what God wants them to do. The authority should not be obeyed when it goes contrary to God's law word. So if a parent orders one of their children to go into a store and steal something, they are to resist and disobey that command. Romans 13:4 says this, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. He's doing God's bidding. And as long as he's doing God's bidding, he is to be obeyed. And you have nothing to fear if he's doing God's bidding, because you're going to obey basically what God commands. How about John Calvin? Okay, from the commentary on Daniel 6.22, John Calvin said this, and this was about uh, Daniel in the lion's den, being thrown in the lion's den for disobeying uh, a command of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. For earthly princes, he says, lay aside their power when they rise up against God and are unworthy to be reckoned among the number of mankind. We ought rather to spit upon their heads than to obey them. Wow. Wow. I put that one on Facebook this week, and uh, I got some interesting responses to that one. How about John Knox, a Scottish reformer? Resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. Resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. Wow. Samuel Rutherford, he was also a Scottish reformed theologian, and he writes under A little writing here is called A Power Not From God. And he says a power, ethical, political, or moral, to oppress is not from God and is not a power but a licentious deviation of a power and is no more from God but from sinful nature and the old serpent than a license to sin. Rutherford believed that citizens have a moral obligation, a moral obligation to resist unjust and tyrannical government. While we must always be subject to the office of the magistrate, we are not to be subject to the man in that office who commands that which is contrary to the revealed written word of God in the Bible. The Westminster Confession of Faith says this. In chapter 23, in section four, it is the duty of people to pray for magistrates, to honor their persons, to pay them tribute or other dues. And then here, listen to this, and to obey their lawful commands and to be subject to their authority for conscience sake. And it goes on beyond that. But interestingly enough, not doesn't say just be obey their commands, but lawful commands. What are lawful commands? Those are the commands that are in agreement with the revealed law word of God. How about the Belgic Confession, Article 36 on magistrates? Now, this is a little long, so bear with me. I'll read through it. The interesting phrase, I'll I'll, I'll slow down when I get to that point. He says, we believe that our gracious God, because of the depravity of mankind, hath appointed kings, princes, and magistrates, willing that the world should be governed by certain laws and policies, to the end that the dissolutions of men might be restrained and all things carried on away from them with good order and decency. So far, so good, right? For this purpose, he hath invested the magistrate. Basically, we call them politicians today, with the sword. And that's symbolic for, you know, they have weapons and they can put people to death. God gave them that sword. Why? For the punishment of evildoers and for the protection of them that do well. Two things, punishment of evildoers and for the protection of them that do well. And their office is not only to have regard unto, And watch for the welfare of the civil state, but also that they protect the sacred ministry and thus may remove and prevent all idolatry and false worship, that the kingdom of Antichrist may be thus destroyed and the kingdom of Christ promoted. They must therefore countenance the preaching of the word of the gospel everywhere that God may be honored and worshiped by everyone as he commanded in his word. Moreover, It is the bounding duty of everyone, of what state, quality, or condition, soever he may be, to subject himself to the magistrates, to pay tribute, that's taxes, to show due honor and respect to them, and to obey them in all things. And here's the key phrase, which are not repugnant to the word of God. To obey them in all things which are not repugnant to the Word of God, to supplicate for them in their prayers, and that God may rule and guide them in all their ways, etc., etc. Okay, so that's from the Belgic Confession of Faith. Now, these are historic documents that the church has used down through the age. They don't have the same authority as the scriptures, they are a very good guide to what the scriptures. Teach, and they all are very much, very well footnoted uh, from uh, proof texts in the Bible. So they are very, very, very good. <laughs> so, in summary, uh, according to Scripture, what Romans thirteen and other passages teach then is that those who, by God's sovereign control of history, may be in a position of power, are not necessarily those who God's have God's moral authorization or ordination. God's word does not require our submission to unjust so-called rulers. The sword-bearing power that is ordained of God, according to Romans 13, is the administration of civil justice, punishing criminals and defending victims of crimes. That's their job description. That's about it. And look where we're at today, right? They're telling us when we can open our store, when we can go out of the house, and when we can drive, when we can't drive. Further, we recognize that the state as a monopoly involved involving initiation of coercion against persons and their property is inherently, inherently unjust and is therefore not authorized or ordained by God. It's not the government's job to protect my health. It's the government's job to protect my rights. It's my job to protect my health. And when you trade liberty for safety, you wind up losing both. So with that, I would like to bring in Ken Matto. Are you there, Ken? I sure am. So you've been listening to what I've been saying here. I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, what, do, what do you think about all that? Is Am I off base or, or is, is, is what I said um, true or not? You can be on. Oh,
1: you're right on target because um, what's, what we see happening in, in America right now, you have a lot of uh, small dictatorships all over the country. Uh, for example, in the last couple of days, uh, Governor Inslee of Washington, the state of Washington, stated that unless you are tested, you will not be permitted to leave your house. Okay? He will force you to stay in your house if you are not tested, and eventually, of course, it'll be forced vaccinations. Uh, the state of Oklahoma has been has been discussing in the in the legislature uh, forced vaccinations, and uh, basically, I I consider forced vaccinations medical rape because they're forcing you to put something into your body that you're not giving consent to. In uh, 1215, the Magna Carta was signed, forcing the nobles to be subject to the laws of the land. And uh, and it was Albert Einstein who stated that the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who watch them without doing anything. And what we're seeing today in America is people just standing by, uh, turning people in because they don't have a mask. Or uh, they're, they're trying to get the populace to turn on each other, which makes a perfect um, road to tyranny. And the people of this nation do not understand that, that we cannot turn each other in as if we were in Nazi Germany, communist China, communist uh, Soviet Union, North Korea, or wherever. Uh they always say it's my body, it's my choice. Well, it is my body. And if my, my choice is to be able to go outside, that's fine. And if you want to stay inside, that's your right. You know, th- this corona virus has been shown to be such a planned, um, uh, how can I say, removal of our rights. That's, you see, the coronavirus is the window dressing. Always look at what's behind the scenes. That, that's how you can always tell what's going on. You know, for example, New York City has stated they had 11,000 corona deaths. Tokyo, which is the world's largest city and most densely populated, had only 93. New York City is locked down. Tokyo was never locked down. Both had the virus for the same amount of time. So then why did New York City have 118 times more deaths? Because, very simple, hospitals get more money for every death attributed to corona. Mm. So if I got into a car accident and I got killed, they put down corona, they get $13,000. If they put a person on a ventilator, they get $39,000. So that's why ventilators are very important. It it, uh, increases the revenue.
0: So actually, now, uh, through um, this all, some people are getting very wealthy, right?
1: Oh, are they? Mm. As a matter of fact, three of the—I uh, think it was uh, Bill Gates, um, the guy who owns uh, Amazon. I forgot his name. Um, and then, then there was another one. The three of them, their wealth increased by two hundred eighty-two billion dollars during this time.
0: Right. Right. That's okay. the other that's the other thing about this is the big businesses are doing quite well, thank you very much. It's the little guy yeah. that they seem to be uh, you know, coming down against and uh I don't think that's accidental either.
1: Oh no, no. For many years the IRS has, has stated they always hated small business because they know small business um is not a person who owns a small business can take 20 bucks from and not put it in the cash register and that's what they hate about small business um and you know they small businesses they do the work and the IRS wants to take the money so people figure hey I'm going to do it this way okay so it, it's it's really a bad situation when it comes to businesses, because they want everybody going to these superstores like like uh, Lowe's, Walmart and everything. And they do want to put the mom and pop uh, uh, businesses out of business. Basically, what it is, it's all a centralization. This is what basically is happening. They want to centralize all the power in Washington, centralize all your shopping. So this way, it's easier to track you, because if there's a 100 shops on Main Street and one big Walmart, it's easier to... Uh, Track you at Walmart, and the reason they want this six foot of uh, spacing is because facial recognition does not work if you are any closer. Oh wow! Uh, you know, and that and, and this is one of the this is one of the things because while everybody's home, they're they're uh, putting up 5G. Uh, they are increasing surveillance all over the place, and the people don't even know this. They're more important. They're more happy because they, I got a twelve hundred dollars check. They're happy right. sitting home, not realizing right. what's really happening.
0: It's true. A lot of people are just really not aw- awakened yet to what's going on. It's just incredible. Hey Ken, let's let's talk about this. Is biblically speaking, so let's think about, you know, are there examples in the Bible? And I've said what. You know, some of the founding, or maybe not founding, but fathers of the faith have said uh, about uh, biblical obedience to the civil uh, rulers, etc. Um, but I think there's probably a lot of good examples in the Bible that show where civil disobedience uh, was praised by God, actually.
1: Oh, there's many, many. Um Many good examples within the Bible and also after the Bible was completed. Now, uh, the reason that Christians are having a uh, a challenging effect on this country is because for two reasons. You, you touched a little bit on it before. In Philippians 3.20, the Bible says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence we also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word concert, uh, conversation is, is the word polycuma, which means a place of citizenship, community, or lifestyle. Now, and of course, we get the word politics from that. Now, the true Christian holds dual citizenship. We are citizens of heaven, while we are also citizens of our earthly country. And now this means that we are to interpret all aspects of life on earth and in the sinful world through the word of God. And that's another reason modern versions of the Bible fail Christians all the time, because they are just in agreement with the world. Now, while we're still on earth, we have citizenship in heaven. So, uh, you know, which will come to pass on the last day when all the believers are taken to heaven. But as believers in a sin-cursed world, uh, we look forward to the time when the Lord Jesus returns to take all his children to heaven and will be forever with him. But this verse also teaches something very important, that we have a different authority, being mm-hmm. citizens of heaven. Uh, those who are unsaved will look for the things of earth to satisfy them, but those who are saved know well good, that earthly goods cannot satisfy, and we have that higher calling uh, than just trying to amass wealth, which will be taken away on the last day. So uh, the way Christians can look at this whole thing is if an earthly law coincides with the word of God, then the Christian will have no problem obeying it. If it goes against the word of God, then the Christian has to o- disobey. And we will see some of them both in the Bible and even after the Bible was completed. Okay, so let's take a look at... um one uh, let's take a look at one more verse and then we'll look at some of the examples. In First Corinthians ten, eleven, it the Bible says, Now all these things happened unto them, okay, ancient Israel, for ensamples, samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now the word and samples is just a little different than the word examples. And sample means a pattern, a model, a precedent, but is only used concerning people only. So the uh and samples of ancient Israel and Judah are not just the people who were disobedient, but those who were obedient to the law of God. So, let's take a look at some, um, some of the uh, people in the uh, Old Testament. And the reason I had mentioned First Corinthians 10-11, because I don't want people to turn around and say, oh, that's the Old Testament. Well, it's still the word of God. Now, in Exodus 117, we have the Hebrew midwives. Mm-hmm. Okay but the midwives feared God mm-hmm. and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them but saved the men children alive Okay now they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh and that's what Christians have to do we have to we have to uh discern between what's being told to us today and and the lies that are being told Um just to let just to let the the listeners know this that uh Tony, that Dr. Fauci was doing a lot of experiments on the uh, coronavirus. And then in 2014, President Obama cut off his funding. And he then moved his lab from America to Wuhan. So this was his baby, this coronavirus. You knew it all about, about seven it. Or eight. Huh? He's the expert. <laughs> oh, Yeah. He has seven or eight stri- seven or eight strains with about fourteen different mutations. How are they going to make a vaccine uh, and which strain are they going to use and which mutation are they going to go for? Mm-hmm. all right so this guy has been teaching everybody what to do with doing this thing, and it was his lab that created this whole thing. He should be arrested and tried mm-hmm. okay now uh, going back to Exodus one seventeen um they knew if they carried out the orders of Pharaoh, they would be violating the law of God. The law of God is always higher than the law of man. Always. Remember the question that Joshua posed. Uh, Choose you this day whom you will serve. Okay? That principle is transferable to our lives every day. We have to make decisions. And everybody says that Christians shouldn't judge. Christians make judgments. The word in the Greek for judgment is prono, and that just means decisions. So we make decisions all the time. Mm. Then there's another fella in there whose name was Obadiah. Now this is not the prophet Obadiah that we uh that we have the book of, but this is a different one. Uh, this one went against Queen Jezebel, for it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave. And fed them with bread and water. Jezebel wanted all the true prophets. Okay. He wanted all of them killed. Just like today. Satan wants the church killed. He wants it silenced. He wants Christians to shut up. And it says. But Obadiah took the hundred prophets of the Lord. And hid them in two caves. Now he was very wise in doing that. Because. If they would have discovered one pack of fifty, there would still be fifty left. So that's why he put them in in in, um, in two different caves. So he was a very very wise uh, wise man, but um, he knew that if all the prophets were cut off, there'd be no word of God. Then uh, we of course we know one of the most famous in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and it says uh, in Daniel three twelve. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the prince of province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And of course they didn't. What happened to them? The king gave them a second chance and and said to them, hey, look, I'll let you go this time. But you you promised that when you hear the instruments, you bow down. And they said to him, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Mm -hmm. And they said, even if he didn't, we're not going to worship your false gods. And this is what's happened today. You touched on it before. The false god of the state. This is the whole thing about communism. That's why they hate Christianity, because the government will not share its glory with with, with God. And that's the that's, uh, one thing about the communist government. And that's what we have here in this country. Um, we have to realize one thing. And uh, I think it's, I, I believe it's Isaiah 33, 22, okay, which is a very uh, important verse. Uh, and let me see, I'm going to zip to it here. Oh, yeah, okay. It says, Isaiah 33, the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. He will save us. Now, our founding fathers, what they did was they patterned the government of uh, the United States after this after this verse. The judge, the judicial branch, lawgiver, legislative branch, and the king, executive branch. Now, presidents and governors have no constitutional authority to issue executive orders as laws. It is the leg- legislative branch which makes laws, not the executive branch. If the executive branch is allowed to make laws, then it is King George III all over again, and his oppression of the colonies being resurrected. And that's one of the uh, that's one of the problems that we have in, in this country. Uh, you have the you have the police going around arresting moms, arresting uh, pastors, arresting Christians. For what? For some edict a governor has set up, and it's absolutely illegal what they're doing. And uh, that's why it's very important that that any Christian who is taken to is taken to jail, arrested, they should demand a jury trial. Now, uh, there was a case called Marbury Marbury versus Madison in 1803. And just, it was, it was a U.S. Supreme Court case that established the principle of judicial review in the United States. And the outcome meant that American courts have the power to strike down laws, statutes, and some government actions that violate the Constitution of the United States. One thing that uh, we have to realize is that if they, if, if the law is, is illegal, is legally made by a politician, you cannot go to jail for it. How can you be arrested for a law that does not exist? An edict does not um, mean it's a law. It's just like Roe v. Wade. Well, the abortion, of course, all Christians are against that. But that was the Supreme Court rendering an opinion. Now, the Supreme Court does not make the law. It's the legislature that makes the law. Exactly. So uh once we realize that then when we see the source whether it's Governor Wolf in your state or or, or Governor Murphy in my state their edicts mean nothing and the police and 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 all your uh, officials they take a they put the hand on a bible says that we're going to defend and protect the constitution not a politician and that's the difference if a if a politician writes something that is against the constitution we're not really disobeying. They are disobeying. We are obeying the Constitution, which is the uh, supreme law of the land. And that's what, unfortunately, um, we have too many wimpy Christians today. And they don't want to do anything. You well, know, you mentioned the founding fathers. Jonas Clark, right outside his church, is where the shot heard around the world was Lexington Green. And he was a staunch preacher. Of uh, freedom, so then, okay, so let's go on and look at some of the others in the Bible. and another guy's name was micaiah and Jeho- and uh, in first kings twenty two seven and eight, it says, and Jehoshaphat said, if they're not there here a prophet for the of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him, and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man." Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, for he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. Uh, Micaiah prophesied that Ahab would get killed, and he did. And right before he did, though... King Ahab says, "Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I come in peace." Well, he never came back. So this is what we have today. We have many. We have people being uh, placed under house arrest, li- literally living on bread and water because they can't get out. So if they need to, uh, they need to look at this whole situation and realize that we're being lied to. Turn the TV off. Do your own research. And you'll see that it's all, all a bunch of lies.
0: Well, for many years, then, we, have, we have really not been taught civics in our schools. And, and from the pulpits, we have not learned what the boundaries are as far as the civil government. We've been led to believe that, uh, you know, whatever they do, whatever they say, you just better do it.
1: Well, that was the whole essence of the Johnson Amendment in 1954. Because uh, Lyndon Johnson, and by the way, he had a nice part in Kennedy's assassination, too. Um, was a very corrupt politician, and that's why he put that in there, the 501c3. If your church is a 501c3, they don't realize they are nothing but a uh, corporation of the state. They're, they're, they're a ward of the state is what they are. And that's why the IRS can come in and say, well, you can't preach this, but you can preach that. You, you can't preach against homosexuality, but you can preach against this and that and everything else. So it's a, it, it's a bad situation we have in the churches. The greatest thing that could happen to the church is they lose the tax-exempt status. Then they can really thunder from the pulpits the truth. And that's what needs to be done. Okay, then um, Peter says, then Peter and the other apostles' answer says, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now, uh, I'm just going to give a little, uh, a little English lesson here. We ought means must or necessary. Ought is in the present tense, active voice, indicative mood. Present tense means we always obey God in our lives. Active voice means we are to perform the action. We don't wait for somebody else to start it. Then the indicative mood is a statement of fact. In other words, the major fact, the truth of the Christian life is that we must obey God. Even if we get thrown into prison, we have no choice. I know one thing. When they're going to come to my house and try to force vaccinate me, they're not going to do it. And if they hold me down, somebody's going to get a cane in the head.
0: You know what they do? though? They're, they're smart. They'll say, OK, that's fine. You don't have to do that. But good luck when you want to renew your license. Uh, if you're not vaccinated, you're not going to get another license. This is how they do it. Oh, yeah. They play one thing off the other.
1: And that's what they're doing. They're trying to uh, think of ways that you have to show your vaccination papers.
0: Exactly. And I wouldn't and, be surprised when we get to the point where you're going to have to you won't be able to cross state lines until you prove that you've been vaccinated
1: you know uh, there's a fella um on youtube who's a he's a preacher and he was going from montreal i think to ontario or the other way around they have checkpoints in canada and you have to actually stop and show that you are a citizen right now where you are you are a citizen but soon it's going to be um show me your papers I'm telling you, we're, we're headed for it. And while people are sitting home worrying about who's the bachelorette or who's dancing with the stars, um, you know, it's the old the old adage, bread and circuses. That's how the Roman emperors uh, took an entire nation. Keep them happy, keep them entertained, and they'll never go against you. And this is what's happening. And okay, I, exactly, then another yeah, fellow yeah, we have.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Uh, That's I was just going to say. You know, in our churches, uh, we have Christians that would rather not look out the four walls of the church and they, in the comfort of their own church, they're not really concerned about politics. They're not really concerned about culture. They're not really concerned about anything else like that. And I think that really contributes nicely into the tyranny that's that's uh, coming upon us in this country. Is the Christians really don't care as long as they have their Bibles and their sermons and their Sunday school classes and their prayer meetings. Hey, the world can go to you know where. Oh
1: yeah, uh, they're, exactly. They're,
0: they're not. They're not concerned.
1: And that—that's because they—they swallow the infection from something called the Schleitheim um, Confession of fifteen twenty-seven. In Article Six of that that confession of the Anabaptist, they stated that Christians should not be involved in politics.
0: Oh yeah, I was raised. I was raised a Mennonite, and yeah. the, you know, government, as far as they're concerned, it's evil. <laughs> it's just plain evil and you don't get yeah, involved. And,
1: and then, then, you know what else is funny, Ken? I'll tell you. They talk about the government being evil, but then they get into their churches and say, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, we got to pray for this, pray for that. Wait a minute. We could run for office. Oh, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You got to stay at McDonald's and flip hamburgers. Because then that, that, means, that shows you're spiritual. I can be just as spiritual in the White House as I can driving uh, a taxi cab.
0: Absolutely, the office of the civil magistrate is an office ordained of God, and you're saying that that is not good. I mean yeah, exactly. it's like if somebody comes up to you in the church and they say, "I'm going into the ministry," what the pastor should say at that point, which one? the Ministry of Grace or the ministry of the sword <laughs> Which one? Yeah, but, <laughs> because yeah. now they just assume it's you know the, the being a pastor or, or whatever but but the idea of going into politics, why would you do that?
1: Yeah, sad. exactly. Very sad. Could continue? Is. Yeah. Okay. Then we have Moses. um Moses, when he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Think of it this way: when Moses came to years and he got saved, he refused to become a a, a child of the state. He wanted to become a, a. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater than the riches in Egypt. Why? Because he saw beyond those riches. That they're gonna disappear on the last day. And uh Moses went against the most powerful man in the world at that time, Pharaoh. Egypt was a humongously strong empire, but here but here's Moses going against it. And he did, and he won because God was on his side. And of course, as soon as they got over onto the other side, the uh, the Israelites started uh rebelling against God already.
0: You know what but, I find uh, interesting about that? Moses went no, I'm sorry a little delay there but what I find interesting about that the whole issue was was worship. You know, we want to worship God the way God commands us to worship and not, you know. So that you know that was really the the major um battle that was going on between Moses and Pharaoh. And look at it today. We have the state telling us when and when we cannot worship and how far we have to sit apart and you can't shake hands anymore and forget the holy kiss, that's out of the way and Communion? Well you may maybe or maybe not. Depends how, how you uh disinfect the dishes and this and that and the other thing. I mean it's gonna get to that point.
1: Oh, it is, definitely. They're gonna have people in every church checking things out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay, then another person, Elijah. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. And thou hast followed Balaam. 1 Kings eighteen seventeen and 18. So Elijah went face to face with Ahab and said, you are the troubler of Israel. Because they've, you've taken the false gods, you've brought them in. And that's what we have in the church today. A lot of false gods. Uh, more people know about the nation of Israel than they do about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, a, that's another God. And so... Um, this is one of the things Elijah said right to Ahab, and, and Ahab's wife was Jezebel, and then eventually Elijah got scared and he ran. Okay, uh, next one was John the baptizer. For John had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. John stood against Herod. He took his brother Philip's wife, and John said no. That's sin, and he went right to him and, and said it. And as Christians, we need to do the same thing. We can't turn around and say, "Oh, let me give you a trap that says God has a wonderful plan for your life." No, let me tell you, you're going to hell for committing sin. We well, have absolutely. to we have to tell it like it is.
0: Yeah, you know, most people, if you ask them why John the Baptist died, they probably say because he was preaching the gospel. Well. <laughs> he wasn't preaching the gospel. He was preaching the law and he was directing it against a very powerful political figure. And that's why he lost his head.
1: Exactly. Then another fellow we had, Nathan, Nathan said to David, thou art the man when, when, when David sinned against the Lord by having, by, by having Uriah killed and committing adultery with, um, with his, uh, with uh, Uriah's wife. And so, and so, uh, David was given literally about a year, because this is about, uh, Nathan came to him about a year after that. And he told him, you're the man. God gave you so much. He gave you, what, four wives or something like that. And and the Lord even said, I gave you the house of Israel, the house of Judah, and if that would have been too little, I would have gave you more. But he sinned. and And Nathan went right to David and said, thou art the man. He didn't turn around and say, well, you know... I don't know, uh, he shouldn't have done, no, thou art the man. He didn't fool around. Mm. Then, uh, then of course we see Daniel. Then, uh, they said that the men of Daniel said, uh, the men of, uh, then, then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So all the presidents, the kingdom, the governors, prince the countess, they all consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that so whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O oh king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. It's an important phrase. It says save of thee, oh king. The edict deified Darius as the only one who could receive prayer or petitions making the government of Persia god exactly so daniel could have petitioned the king to be delivered from the lion's den instead he trusted god for the outcome okay so this is what christians look at today you got pastors on the run who are afraid uh to open their churches because they're afraid of the uh of, of the local magistrates daniel could have petitioned the king and says look king you and i have been good friends for a long time can you pardon me now he went into the lion's den and he trusted God for the outcome. That's why these Christians were so strong, because they looked beyond man's law, and they went into, uh, they looked at God's law and said, his law, his kingdom is superior to this kingdom. Well, that's exactly right.
0: Most people think that if I do that, I'm going to be less effective, but it turned out that the king was so impressed with Daniel's God that, you know, it was it's just a tremendous, powerful testimony to to, his, to, to the, the saving power of Daniel's God.
1: Absolutely. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, the Bible says, quench not the spirit. Quench means extinguish, douse, or smother. Instead of our lives, building our lives on the power of the Holy Spirit, instead we smother him and run our lives according to our own intellect, and we wonder why Christianity is so weak today. But okay, last biblical example. I'm going to take this one from a different point of view. Uzzah. We
0: got about eight okay. minutes, Ken.
1: Oh, you got eight minutes? About eight minutes. Okay, I'll go. I'll go quick. Uzzah was smitten by the Lord for touching the ark of God. Okay, and because he he saw that it was going to uh, the the cows sh- shook it, and and it says that the God smote him for his error. Now it's quite interesting. That the Bible doesn't say for his sin, but it was for his error. In the Hebrew means negligence or be deceived. So, Arthur thought he was doing good by steadying it so it would not fall on the ground. However, even though his intentions were good, he was struck by the Lord for his error. This is what's happening with a lot of pastors. Okay? They are, they think they're doing right by closing the churches, but they're not doing right. Okay, and they're just doing like others did. They think they're doing correct, but they're doing a lot of error. They're negligent or they're being deceived. okay? Um, let's just look I have a, just a couple of these. I'll about a minute on each one maybe. okay? Yeah. Strong Christians who opposed the government after the completion of the Bible. Polycarp, um, the proconsul ordered Polycarp to renounce Christ and give obedience to Caesar as Lord in 155 A.D., and he had touched on that before. And of course, we know his great response. Eighty and six years have I served Christ, nor has he ever done any harm. How then can I blaspheme my king who saved me? You threaten the fire that burns for an hour, then is quenched. But you know not of the fire of the judgment to come and the fire of the eternal punishment. Bring mm. what you will. Why not? Why, why shouldn't we uh, uh, approach these politicians with words like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Okay, Call them to the task. Yep. Exactly. That's that's what has to be done uh, for us. Okay. Another one. A, a person named Perpetua. It was around the year 200 AD. The, the Roman Emperor Septimus Severus was cracking down on traitors, and those Christians showed a lack of loyalty. They wouldn't offer incense to the Roman gods, even under threat of death. Okay. So he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I serve the Lord Jesus, and that's it. Then, of course, you have William Tyndale, who translated the Bible mm. into English in 1536. Wow. Going against the Roman Catholic Church back then was like going against the, the state, because they were tied together. Then there was John Rogers, who was burned at the stake under Mary uh, Tudor. He, he was the one that wrote the Matthews Bible. And then, of course, we can't forget Martin Luther. He went against the he went against his own emperor and the Roman Catholic Church. And then um, you had mentioned John Knox before, and uh, this fellow predated Knox. His name was James Guthrie. Uh, his enemies were determined to execute him, and the order went forth. He was to be hanged at the cross of Edinburgh on the 1st of June. Mr. Guthrie's head to be fixed on the nether bow. His estate to be confiscated, and his coat of arms torn. He was executed for publishing a work which which declared God's wrath was coming upon Scotland for, among other things, setting up the King of England as head of the church.
0: Mm. Only
1: Christ could fill that role. And that's what these governors are doing. They're take they're becoming heads of the church, determining when they can open and when they close.
0: I think a lot of pastors think that this will just pass over and we'll go back to normal. No, no, no. Once they get their foot in the door, it ain't going back to normal. And that's right. It, they're going no to control. Way to go
1: back to normal.
0: They're going to control the church a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And at some point, they're going to go. Whoa! What happened to us? What happened to us?
1: Exactly. And, and pretty soon they're going to they are going to have to submit their sermons ahead of time. Say, well, you can preach this, but you can't touch this. And mm-hmm. then they're going to be going through the sermons, left and right. And eventually,
0: they'll all close. And of course, this is what cit- happens in Germany. citizens that hate Christians are going to report us for sitting too close, for being at public risk. Um, you know, uh, all those sorts of things are going to come out, too. Um, I, I just see it happening, Ken. I, I hope it doesn't, but i I, I know how the how these people work. Uh, They're very devious and they're very power hungry. And like you say, what they want anything more is that they hate Christians and want to destroy the church, which they won't be able to do. It'll only get stronger. But um, that's what their goal is.
1: Exactly. Um, It's one of the things, one of the things is is the apostle Paul, when he was on the road, Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? See, when they're persecuting us, they're persecuting Christ. They're coming after him. And and on judgment day, they're going to give an account for it, you know, and, and that, that's what has to be. And that's what uh, we've got to tell these people. We just can't, uh, you know, walk around with a bunch of smiles on our face and, you know, we can't do that. We've got to tell them the truth and they've got to be told, thus said the Lord, you're against him. He God hates all workers of iniquity. You are a worker of iniquity. Therefore, you, sir, are going to hell and you will be judged by God Himself. Absolutely. Put the fear of
0: God these people. Absolutely. Speak street speak truth to power. I mean, if you think about it, we are the greatest country in the world in terms of our freedom and everything we enjoy goes right back to the Reformation, as far as I'm concerned. And the uh, the throwing off of the divine right of kings and um, you know all these things opened the door for regular people to live their lives uh, as they pretty much wished, as long as it was you know under the the laws of God, not harming other people and so forth. But the whole thing started with the Reformation, and we owe a debt of gratitude to those reformers. Which we're, oh, we do,
1: and that's ins- why I honestly believe why why Satan has his it has been trying to destroy Germany for World War One, World War Two, yes, because of what uh, what they gave us.
0: Yes, 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 absolutely. There's a good book you ought to read. Maybe you've all, already heard of it called "The History of the Work of Redemption" by Jonathan Edwards, and he goes through from the very beginning, from the time of Adam and Eve, all the way up to the present time, how God has used. History and things that we think are negative and horrible to you know, redeem his people and build his church. And and that uh, we know that no matter what happens through all this, it's going to be good for the kingdom of God on Earth. I believe that.
1: Oh, it will. I, I, I know where uh, Johnson Edward's grave is. I I have visited it. He's, he's buried <laughs> over here in Princeton. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know. But uh, what people have to do right now is uh, with with the, the financial situations is is they have to get out of debt too, because that's going to play yeah. a big big role.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what's you know? what's happening, unfortunately, many of them are making more money on unemployment. I had it. Yeah, customer I talked to today, a client. I'm a financial advisor, and she 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 said I feel guilty. I'm getting more money on unemployment, and that's by design. That's by design as well.
1: Yeah, um, that's 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 the whole thing. Is that it, it, it's. This whole thing is designed uh, because uh, a, a lieutenant colonel spoke at a patriotic conference, and he said if they have a name for something, and we right now it's under Operation Warp Speed with the Quick Vaccine, that means it was planned months or years ago. If there's a name for it, like Desert Storm, that means it was planned years ago. Oh, yeah. Even Even Roosevelt said nothing happens in politics. It's all planned.
0: Yes, yes, and that's
1: what this whole thing is. But I honestly believe this uh, this is a move to get the church silenced, one hundred percent, because the Bible does say that uh, that those who kill you will think they're doing God a service, and you know that's one of the uh, things that the unbeliever will do is is try to kill the church or you know basically to silence it. And uh, but I did see a good meme on Facebook. It says yeah you know, Satan says, "Ha ha." I closed all your churches down. Jesus looks at them and says, aha, I, I have one in every house.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if,
1: that's tr- yeah, if that's true, because how many Christians are having it or if they're not just sitting there staring at their phones and texting all day?
0: Yeah, well, that's true, too. <laughs> so, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, you know, I think, you know, through this all, I think it's good. I think people are thinking, at least I hope they're thinking. That's one of the big problems we have. We have no critical thinking. Tr- Christians should be, reading and studying and understanding the times that we're living in um and as you said they're not they're just really distracted with uh, dancing with the stars and who's dating who and and all the popular stuff but uh i tell you you, it's exciting to see what's what's going on in the world today you know
1: what you know what hitler said hitler said i think it's wonderful for rulers that men don't think
0: yeah exactly that's something
1: and he's right look what happened
0: Yeah, that's what happened. Uh, But I am encouraged, on the other hand, I do know a handful of young people who are very much aware of what's going on and uh, uh, are not being deceived by all this. And uh, I do have hope for the future and for the church, of course. uh, Christ is still sitting at the right hand of God, subduing all his enemies, making them his footstool. That will continue and is continuing on now. And as it says in Psalm chapter two, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against the anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. So they think they're getting away with something. And uh, so they thought they were getting away with something in building the tower of Babel too. Uh, God will destroy it. God will destroy it. And uh, he'll preserve his people and his church will continue to flourish um, through the end of of time, I believe. Um, So, Ken, I think we're pretty much up against uh, the clock here. I, again, want to thank you for uh, being my guest today on Biblically Speaking, where we were biblically speaking about the Christian's role and responsibility in obeying the civil authorities. Is it ever right? Is it ever a duty, as has been said, uh, to disobey tyranny? And I believe it is. I believe it's our duty to do that. And um, get in your Bibles, folks. Read, read the Puritans. Read the the fa- the founders, of the fa- the fathers of our faith, uh, the reformers, and see what they said. As I've indicated on this show, many of them did not believe that you are a doormat that you need to obey unrighteous and tyrannical governments. So with that, I'd like to end our show today. Thank you very much again. This is Ken Souter, biblically speaking here on 1180 WFYL, where we're working for your liberty and talking about things that matter. Until next time, we'll see you again. Bye.